This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. You know, there are many different versions of the Bible, and this is not going to be a lesson on some of the various versions out there, but there's a Bible version out there that is as old as mankind. Now, this version is used by most people. It's not one that's been in print. It's never been printed. But it is the as-practiced Bible version. Now, what I mean by that is people live this version instead of what the Bible says. So I want to notice how some verses of the as-practiced version of the Bible read compared to the King James Version. And I'm going to give you the King James Version first, and then I'll give you the as-practiced version. The first thing, the first topic, I guess, we want to look at, first subject here, is false doctrines. There are a lot of as-practiced versions of the Bible being used in false doctrines. Such as Romans 10, 17. The scripture in the King James says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, the faith that we are to develop comes only, true faith, comes only from hearing studying the Word of God. That's the only way that we can have a faith that pleases Him. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So the only way that we can have true faith in God is by hearing His Word. Now the as-practiced version of Romans 10, 10 17, Go something like this. So then faith comes by listening to Christmas music. You ever notice that during around the holiday period, how old we, we, all you have this, all this Christmas music going on and such things as that? Of course, we go back to the study on it. Christmas is not a religious holiday. It has nothing at all to do with the birth of Christ. It has only to do with paganism. But that's what people think. Oh, I can be good this time of year, and I'm going to listen to somebody saying, Oh, come all ye faithful, and all these things like that, and I am just, I'm just fine. I'm, I'm, I've had faith by listening to that music. Well, we know that that's not the case. Let's look at another verse. John 3.16 verse that we all know, probably all know real well. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You'll notice the little word there, should. Now there are versions of the Bible that say will not perish. Well, that's not the case either. It should not perish. And God did love the world so much that he gave his son that we have the opportunity for salvation. But let's look at the as-practiced version of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone will have salvation, especially if you will allow him into your heart and accept him as your personal savior. That's what a lot of people practice. There are do, those who do believe in universal salvation. God sent some Jesus into the world to die, and everyone's going to be saved. Well, such is not the case, but that second part there, if you allow him into your heart and accept him as your personal Savior, that has nothing at all to do with what the Scripture says there. You see, he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever, and that can be everybody, Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So then is belief all that is needed? No. 
That's also in the as practiced version. Oh, as long as I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm saved, you know. You might remember what the James wrote over there in James chapter 2. Uh, he says there in verse 19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. So belief in God is necessary, but belief in God alone will not save, because even the demons believe in God, and they're not saved. Let's look at another passage. King James of Acts chapter 17 verse 30. Acts chapter 17 verse 30. It says, In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, American Standard Version says, Overlooked, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. All must repent if we want to have salvation. That is a command of God. And yet the as-practiced version of the Bible, again, the way most people live, states this. And the times of this ignorance, God still overlooks and wishes that everyone would change their lives even though God will save us anyway. That's the way most people live their lives. You know, you know God, God's still going to overlook all the bad things that I do. Now, he may want me to change my life, but you know what? God made me this way, and he's going to save me anyway. You know, God doesn't make junk. Well, that's true. God doesn't make junk. But we turn ourselves into junk, do we not? Whenever we living this life in a way that we want to live it, that doesn't work. We are not to be living the way that we want to live. We're to be living the way that God wants us to live. You, know, you go over to Ecclesiastes, let's see, Proverbs, I'm sorry. Proverbs chapter 6. And you know, it still shows some things that are an abomination to God. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Those things are still an abomination, as are many others. And we're going to look at some others later when we get down to the uh, subject of morals. But right here, we can't live just the way we want to live. As the verse says there in Acts 17.30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It's not just a good suggestion that we should do if we want to. It is something we have to do if we want to have salvation. Now let's look at another passage in the King James Version, and that is Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. It says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now we can take that, and it would be included the confession that we make whenever we are uh, prior to baptism, whether we state the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that would fit that, but it also fits in our daily lives. As we live around others every day, we are to be confessing or showing in our lives that we are a follower of Christ. We believe Christ. We're not going to be turning away whenever someone talks about religion or whatever. We're going to be defending Christ. Well, Matthew 10, 32 and 33 in the as practiced version would read like this. If you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me, I'll confess you anyway before my Father in heaven. You see there, 
people are trying to oh maybe not hurt others feelings you know somebody tells a dirty joke or somebody curses and oh we just laugh and go along with it anyway we may curse along with them you know just to make them feel like you know we're just part of the group there because it don't doesn't matter if I really live that Christian life before others well that's not what the verse says but that's what most people practice somebody does something wrong and we either condone it or we don't condemn it and not condemning something is condoning it well, let's look at another passage and that's Acts 22 16 Acts chapter 22 verse 16 the passage reads and now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord verse is very self-explanatory Ananias is telling Saul of Tarsus you need to be baptized in baptism your sins are washed away because that is where you contact the blood of Christ. You know, Romans chapter 6, beginning there in verse 3, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism. Now right there the word buried shows that baptism is not a sprinkling and is not just pouring water on somebody's head. A burial is a submersion. But anyway, continuing verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. You see, we're baptized into death. Christ was buried when he died. He shed his blood. And in baptism is where we contact that saving blood of Christ. Now let's continue. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. See, when we go down into that watery grave of baptism, we're the old person, that old life. But when we come up out of those waters of baptism, we're to walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You'll notice likeness there. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Where's, it, where's that old man of sin crucified with him when we're buried in baptism? That the body of sin might be destroyed. Where's the body of sin destroyed? In baptism. That henceforth we should not serve sin. But you see, most people practice the as practiced version of Acts chapter 17 verse, or excuse me, Acts 22, 16. The as practice version states this way. And now you can be baptized if you want to, but it's not necessary. Baptism has nothing to do with salvation. That's what most people practice. But it's not what the scripture says. People will say, oh no, baptism's not necessary for salvation, and yet we have Jesus Christ himself, Mark 16, 15, and 16. The Apostle Peter. The Apostle Paul. Others saying that it is. And these men were inspired of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at another one. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6. That states there is one body and one spirit even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. Paul is writing this around 80, 60, 61, 62, when he was in Roman imprisonment for the first time. And he's saying there's only one body. We know from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, 
It says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So there we find that the one body is one church. Not many different ones, but one church. One spirit, one Holy Spirit, just as there's one church, there's only one Holy Spirit. There's only one hope. The only hope that we have for salvation is in Jesus Christ. There's no hope anywhere else. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. And there is only one God. So only one there. But let's look at the as-practiced version of the Bible. It would state it this way. There's one worldwide church of which all denominations are a part. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter which one you belong to. Worship whatever you want to worship. You see, that's what people practice. But that's not what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit didn't say that at all. Look at Ephesians 5.19. Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. That scripture says what we are to sing. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We are to sing to one another, speaking to yourselves. The American Standard does say to one another, one to another. And we're to sing and make melody in our heart. You see, we can all sing and make melody in our heart. Even if we cannot speak, we can sing and make melody in our heart. Well, the as-practiced version of the Bible would read like this. You can sing one to another or listen to a group or an individual do a solo. Also, you need to have a band playing, especially if you want the young people will come. And if you can't afford the instruments, just use your voice to make those sounds. That's the way people practice it. You know, there are choirs. There are solos. There are those who sing with the microphone scattered throughout the audience. None of that is scriptural. Praise teams, you know, bring it, bring it that way in. None of those things are scriptural. And what about having that instrumental music, you know, playing the piano or the organ or the drums and the saxophones and all that stuff? Well, that's not making melody in your heart. And if everyone was to make melody in that way, then everyone would have to have an instrument. But we do all have a heart. And then there's those that try to use the voice to make the sounds of the instruments. You know, going over to Colossians chapter 3, Verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know, if we're going to teach and admonish one another, an instrument of music does not teach. Making the sound of an instrument of music with your voice does not teach. It does not admonish. It does not make melody in the heart. Those things are unscriptural. Those things are sin. But that's what people practice. Now let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 8, and then we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. There Paul is stating, and the word men there is not anthropos, which means mankind, it is anair, which is male. Paul is stating that the male 
is to pray. Whenever we are assembled together or whether we're sitting around the table at home offering a prayer before one of the meals, the men, Christian men, are to be doing the prayers. And then he says, verses 12, or verses 11 and 12, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence or quietness, the American Standard Version says. So he's saying there, women are not to have any kind of a leadership role in worship services or in leading prayer at home if there's a Christian man present. And people will say, well, Paul, Paul just hated women. Well, you know, Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so he's saying the Holy Spirit hates women. No, the Holy Spirit shuts down that argument by saying, verse 13, for Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. He goes back to the very creation. Well, the as-practiced version of the Bible, and this is what most people will do, practice. Men are to pray everywhere unless there are women present that are better at praying than they are. And women should use their God-given talents in any way that they can. See, that's the as-practiced version. You see that all over the place in the religious world. Women waiting on the table, women leading prayers, such things as that, that's sin because it is not scriptural. Well, that is the as-practiced version of the Bible concerning false doctrine. Now let's go to the as-practiced version of the Bible concerning morals. First, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. It says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, fornication, you look up the word according to Thayer, it means premarital sex, extramarital sex, which would be adultery, homosexuality, and uh, sex with animals, uncleanness, which is lustful, luxurious living, lasciviousness, indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females, idolatry, worshiping something other than God or putting something ahead of God in your life. Witchcraft, you know, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Hatred, that's a work of the flesh if you hate someone. Variance, which means strife or variance with someone. <clears throat> Emulations means jealousy, wrath, that is boiling anger, strife or factions here, factions, you know, there's this group and this group against those groups and stuff. Sedition, that's division, heresy, heresy, speaking things that are blasphemous. Envyings, being envious of someone murders, murdering someone, drunkenness. All people say, well, as long as you don't get drunk, well, if you takes you 10 drinks to get drunk, you drink one drink, you're one-tenth drunk. You're drunk. Revelings. Revelings comes from a word that means musical possession that includes drinking and dancing and such like. Anything like anything we just looked at. He says, which I tell you before, as so I've told you also in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, what does the as-practiced version of the Bible say? It would say something like this. The, now, now, the things that are not always right to do, and it does depend on the situation, are flings, one-night stands. You know, un unless things are not going well at home or if you're going to get married anyway, you know, 
wasting your time and money what unless you enjoy it dancing oh dancing can't be wrong can it oh wait a minute what was the definition of lasciviousness indecent bodily movements unchaste handling of males and females hmm wanting a lot of things unless you need them unless you desire them looking at your horoscope you know witchcraft uh, that is unless you just can't do without it hating someone unless you know they did you wrong or you think they did you wrong striving with someone well of course you're always right and they're always wrong being jealous of someone well that is unless you deserve it and they didn't murders well of course you shouldn't murder animals drinking oh, unless it's just a few that's the as practiced version because that's the way people practice in their lives now look at Colossians 3 5 to 10 Colossians chapter 3 verses 5 to 10 says mortify means put to death therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication we've looked at that uncleanness we looked at that inordinate affection that is vile passions evil concupiscence that word means a longing for what is forbidden and covetousness which is idolatry so being covetous is practicing idolatry for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which all ye also walked in some time, when ye lived in them. But now put ye also, put off all these, anger, which is provoking, wrath, boiling anger, malice, a desire to harm, blasphemy, which villainy or slander would fit that, Filthy communication out of your mouth, vile communication, conversation, anything you say that is either a euphemism, cursing, dirty jokes, anything like that. Lie not one to another, seeing you put off the old man with his deeds. Don't be lying. And you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So right there, put on the new man. Well, the as practiced version or as we look around at people this is their version of this read something like this these are the things you shouldn't have in your life most of the time but it will not hurt to do some of them some of the time you know especially lying lying doesn't hurt anything but you know you really shouldn't lie unless it's going to help you out some way then it's okay Lying business, you get ahead, you make more money. Lie about that fling or whatever. We don't want our spouse to know about that. Lie, lie about whatever. Well, that's what people practice. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair, gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Men and women, by the way, this would fit men also, should dress in modest apparel. Modesty. You go back and you study the way that the priests were adorned in the Old Testament. You go back and look at the way that God adorned Adam and Eve there after they had put the fig leaves on. You look at those Hebrew words and it means a covering from the shoulders to the knees. That's modest apparel. Covering from the shoulders to the knees. And they're to adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness. That word means having regard for others, not to have lustful thoughts. 
We're having, doing this in regard for others. Sobriety, being sober, not dressing crazily. And then he mentions it this way too, not with broided hair, gold, pearls, or costly array. In other words, not to draw attention to yourself. Oh, some people dress up and they want people to notice them. Oh, just look how good I look. Not to be dressing that way and not to be exposing yourself. Well, the as-practiced version of the Bible, you look around at most people and this is what they practice. You should dress modestly if you, when you go to church if you want to. You know what the old fogies will say if you don't. But if the weather's hot, it doesn't matter how much skin you show. Besides, you can't help what people are thinking. It's not your fault if they think bad things. That's the as-practiced version. Now let's look at something else. Another subject of the as-practiced version of the Bible is righteous living. Look first at Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's talking about the necessities of life. So we're to seek. The word seek means in seek in order to find or to crave what? The kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God and the church are one and the same. And then, what does he say? And his righteousness. In other words, doing what God requires us to do. Do what God requires us to do. So we're to seek God's kingdom, his church, his righteousness, and we're to seek those first. Well, this is what the as-practiced version of the Bible would say. Seek God first all the time, unless it works out better not to. That's it there. It depends on the circumstance. Now, when you're around religious people, you better seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. But you know when you're out there at work or with your friends at school or whatever, it may not be in your best interest to seek God and his righteousness first. You know, you may have to kind of put him over on the back burner and then let's go ahead and do the things our friends do, the things their friends want to do. That's all right. God will understand. His grace will cover that. Well, that's not what it says there, is it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek him first. Don't put him on the back burner. Don't make him second or third or fifth in your life. Always make it first. Now look at Luke 6:46. Luke chapter 6 verse 46. The verse reads, and this is Jesus speaking, and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? You know, that's a very important question, isn't it? Well, the as-practiced version of the Bible would read like this. Call Jesus Lord and do what he says if that works for you. How can we call Jesus Lord which means he rules my life when I'm still on the throne of my heart. And that's what the as practice version would be. You know, if it doesn't work out for me, I'm not going to call him Lord. 
I'm around my friends. I'm around my family. I don't want to make any of them mad. don't want to run any of them off. If it doesn't work out for me to call Jesus, Lord, I'm not going to do it. So I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Or I want to get ahead. I can't call Jesus Lord and do that. You see, I'm still on the throne of my life. We need to kick ourselves off that throne. And when we call Jesus Lord, we better be obedient and do the things that he says. Well, what about John 12, 48? John 12, 48. Jesus is speaking there. He says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So Jesus is saying there, there are those that are going to reject him. They're not going to receive what he says. But he says, you know what's going to judge him? My word. The word of God will judge every individual on the last day. You know, if we don't know the word of God and we're going to be judged by it, how foolish is that? Should we not do as 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? Excuse me, 2 Timothy 2, 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman which needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many people are going to be ashamed on that judgment day because they didn't know the word of God or they didn't practice it? And you see the as-practiced version of that verse would read something like this. God's word's going to judge you, but you can't understand God's word, so don't worry about it. How many people are said, state or are told that they can't understand the word of God? Well, let's see. If we don't understand the word of God... There was a man of Ethiopia who was traveling from Jerusalem going back home. And Philip came to him in verse 30 of chapter 8 of the book of Acts. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And Philip preached to him Jesus. If we don't understand something, try to find that explanation. Ask someone and then see if that fits what is being stated in the scripture. We can understand the word of God. It may be that we don't want to. We don't want to put forth the effort to understand it. But Jesus said in John 8, 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We can know the word of God. You know, people look at the King James Version, well, I can't understand any of that. Uh, ever heard of a dictionary? And there are versions out there, new versions, newer versions that are modern worded. The New King James Version would work for that. There are some modern versions that are in the modern languages that are not worth the paper they're written on. The English Standard Version, the New International Version, such as that. But there are good versions out there. We just have to look at it and find it. And if you don't understand a word... How hard is it to look up a dictionary and see what that word means? Some of them may be archaic, yes. But you're probably not going to know calculus the first day you walk into a calculus class either. You're going to learn it. You're going to study it. And that's what we need to do with God's word. Learn it, study it. Well, what about John 14, 15? 
Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We show our love, our dedication to God by obeying what he says. And the only way we can know what he says is in his word. Gets right back to that study, doesn't it? But if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. You know what the opposite is? If you don't love me, don't keep them. And how many of his commandments does he expect us to keep? We see that gets to the as practiced version of the Bible of John 14, 15. That version would read, if you love me, do all my commandments that you want to, that you agree with. If you disagree with the commandment I gave, then don't worry about it. That's the as practiced version. That's what people practice. That's what people do. But that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, keep some of my commandments or keep the commandments you want to. He said, keep my commandments. That would be all of his commandments. Well, what about Hebrews 10.25? Hebrews 10.25. And not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That talks about whenever we're gathered together, we're to be assembled. We encourage one another. And it talks about that in there too, doesn't it? Exhorting one another, encouraging one another. And then verse 26 says, for if we sin willfully, what's the willful sin there? Forsaking the assembling of the saints. There's a previous one spoken of there. Oh, but the as practiced version of the Bible would say something like this. Do not forsake any assembly of the church unless you have company. You're tired. You have to get up early the next day. You have something that you want to do or need to do. Or you're going to have soup for supper. You know, any excuse will work. Well, you know, I, <clears throat> I had a little scratch in my throat earlier today. I better not go. Oh, I've got something coming up, right? I've got to leave during services or whatever, and you know that I've got to be there. I've got company coming, and they expect me to be here. Well, whatever happened was, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, let's look at one other subject here in the as practiced version and that would be the judgment day let's go to Matthew 7 21 to 24 Matthew 7 21 to 24 Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then I will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So what is Jesus saying? There's a lot of people out there telling, calling him Lord, Lord. But he says just because you're doing that, that does not mean you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The ones that are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven are those that, what? Do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is found in the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect or complete, truly furnished unto all good works. But then he says, verse 22, 
many are going to tell me in that day, wait a minute, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in thy name. I've done many wonderful works. You know, that goes back to the word of the miraculous. Who's someone that could do miracles that's not going to be in the kingdom? It's not going to be in heaven. Well, Judas was an apostle, wasn't he? There are others. And there he says, many will say to me in that night, I'll just one. Look at all we did. Look at me. Look what I did. But they didn't do it according to the will of God. And they're just going to say, I never knew you. You are a worker of iniquity. Depart. Well, the as-practiced version of the Bible would say something like this. Anyone that calls me Lord is saved no matter what I may say. Besides, all your loved ones are decent people. Yeah, they're all decent people. Well, are their sins forgiven? Are they doing what the Father says to do? Are you doing what the Father says to do? You know, everyone's not going to be saved. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Look at Matthew 25, 31 to 34. Matthew 25, 31 to 34. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then down in verse 41, says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, that's the day of the second coming. All his holy angels are going to be with him. Now you can tie that together with 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says there, down in verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So all the angels, his mighty angels are going to be there. Verse 31 of Matthew 25 says he'll sit on the throne of his glory and before him will be gathered all nations. You see, we're all going to be there. You and I are going to be there. And he's going to separate the sheep or the obedient on the right the goats, the disobedient, on the left. The sheep, those on his right hand, come ye blessed to my father. The goats, them on the left hand, depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire. Jesus is saying there is going to be a separation. Those that, going back to Matthew 7, 21, those that do the will of the father, will inherit eternal life. Those that don't will be condemned forever. But the as-practiced version of the Bible states this. Everyone's a sheep. And everybody's going to be saved. You know, only the devil and those stupid demons are lost. Well, sounds good. Everybody's saved. But it ain't true. It's not true. And in Revelation 20... Verses 12 to 15. Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 to 15. 
11 to 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there is found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And you're going back to Matthew 25, a sheep and the goats. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The books were opened. God's word's going to be one. Our life will be the other one, will be another one, and the book of life. And we're judged out of those things which are recorded in the books. According to what? Our works. According to what? The word of God. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Cast into hell. Name's not in the book of life. Well, the as practiced version would read this way. God doesn't care how I live my life. I know my name's in the book of life. I believe that with all my heart, and I don't care what a stack of Bibles have to say. But that's not true. You see, the as-practiced Bible version, it hadn't been published. It probably never will be published. But the as-practiced version of the Bible is seen in the lives of people in the world and it's seen in the lives of many members of the church. So the question you and I need to ask ourselves, are you, am I, guilty of following the as-practiced version of the Bible? Well again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to be with us today and we look forward to being with you the next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.